morning, saints. Morning, sinners. Uh, they were jamming. That, that was fun. Thank you. Turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Um, you remember a few weeks ago we were looking at the text from Micah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 and there was mention in Micah he was re, uh, re, recalling uh, having the people recall the time when they were a people uh, back in the time when they were in Shittim as right before they crossed the river Jordan to go to Gilgal um, and the people were to go back in their memories and their collective memories to that time well today's text from Deuteronomy chapter 30 zooms us right in on what was going on at that time uh, before the, is, uh, the people of Israel crossed over the sea. Now, it's important to realize at this point that the people of uh, Israel were not really yet the people of Israel. They were Hebrews. They were still just a loosely formed tribe of, or group of people of 12 different tribes that Moses had led through the desert through the wilderness for 40 years. And we are at that place in the story where the people have come from Egypt, they've traveled east, and they've come to the south of what we know as Palestine. And they are in today's Jordan River Basin, um, down at the bottom there near the Dead Sea. And Moses is getting old. And his energy is pretty much just wrung out. And Moses has led the people out of slavery. He has, um, the people have threatened to kill Moses on the way because Moses brought them out into the wilderness where they had to, to rely on, on, the, on, on, on God's goodness and provision. Um, and they didn't always like that. They got scared. Uh, they got impatient with Moses and they tried to build other idols to worship instead of the Lord God. And so finally, they're, they're all the way around this area in modern Jordan, in the southern part there, just above the, sea of, uh, the Dead Sea, looking west into Palestine. And what Moses is doing in our story today is Moses is, in effect, giving his last will and testament. He's giving his last will and testament. He's saying, listen, this is what we've learned. This is where we are. This is where we're going. So let me bequeath this ethical will to you on what I want you to do from now on as you march into the future together. Now, who do you think Moses is leaving his will to? Is this ethical will too? Is it the people that he has led across the desert? No, probably not. They're all dead or dying off. That's right. <laughs> Moses is talking to the new generation, the babies, the new people that are coming up, the young people that are about to go over and claim the promised land. And this is, he's trying to remind them your parents didn't do a good job of remembering these things, so I want you to remember these things. This is who Moses is talking to. 
the young generation, the new generation, about to cross the river to take possession of God's promised land. So hear the word of the Lord from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Listen to the word. Moses says, You see, today I have set before you, and that you is plural. He's talking to the community, all y'all. You see, I've set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, that is, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But, but, if your heart turns away, and you do not hear. But if you are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will perish. You shall not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you all y'all today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing, curses. Choose life. So that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, holding fast to him. For that means life to you and the length of days. So that you may live in the land of the Lord that swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. Moses wants to make sure the next generation gets it. Keep your eyes on the prize. Choose what? Life. Friends, think about choices that you make every single day, in and out. Our lives are loaded with choices. Some of them are very important, some of them are pretty trivial. I read somewhere that the brain makes upwards of 32,000 decisions and choices a day. I get tired thinking about that. I mean, 32,000 decisions a day. Some are trivial, some are not. Do I tell my boss I'm quitting? Is that trivial? No. Do I add an extra sugar packet to that black coffee at 7-Eleven with a squirt of vanilla? That's a trivial. How do I tell the children I have cancer? Do I sell the house and downsize to a more manageable living space or do I stay where I am currently? I wonder if I should exercise like the doctor tells me to, or do I just trust my willpower that will keep my cholesterol down? What kind of gas will I put in my car today? Some are trivial decisions. Some are life-changing decisions. What are some of the life-changing decisions and choices you, beloved, 
are individually facing in your life right now? What are we as a church looking at for choices to make? Social psychologist Roy Bomeister from Florida State University began uh, to pick up a study that the late Sigmund Freud began decades ago uh, that postulated that people only have a certain amount of energy during the day in order to make good decisions and choices. In his experiments, now, I mean, I didn't need an experiment with this. I, I knew this intuitively. My bet is you did too. But he discovered that there really is this concept of willpower that impacts one's decision-making. And as he did his um, study at FSU, he, be he began to find that people made good choices and good decisions more often in the morning before the brain gets too full of details and the minutiae. Morning, your brain is more clear, more empty, leading to better decisions. He also learned that later in the day, people were suffering from uh, glucose deprivation, which caused poor decision-making. And furthermore, he learned that there is a finite amount of energy each of us has to make wise choices. It appears that if we are faced with having to make too many decisions, too many choices in a short amount of time, later in the day, we get fuzzy. We're not capable of choosing or making the most simple decisions. Friday night was Valentine's Day. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. You want to try this? I don't know. You want to go there? I don't know. And we get in this, this, this rut. We get so tired, we get fuzzy, we can't make the most simple decisions. And he calls this decision fatigue. Decision fatigue. His research also in, in, indicated something else. His team noted that uh, people will spend three to four hours a day fending off desires and temptations that are coming up in the midst of having to make these decisions. You know those, you know those, those that, that fight. I want to, but I know I should not. Those kind of things that confront you today. I know I really want that German chocolate cake, but I know I really shouldn't have it. I know I should call this individual that I promised I'd call, but I'd really rather not, so I won't. Little decisions, but they have big impacts. We are faced with temptation throughout the day, and what he discovered is that our ability to overcome the desire to follow through those temptations, those temptations declines over the course of the day. So when those desires and temptations demand healthy choices, good decisions, it's often too late. We're too tired. We're too overwhelmed. We pick poorly. So at the end of the day, it's 5.15. We're in the staff commissary. We're there in the little kitchen, and there's one Boston cream chocolate-covered donut from Dunkin' Donuts left in the box. It's been sitting there all day. Anybody could have had it. 
But, you know, it seemed to be destined because there it is for me. It's, it's there. I'm the last one here. There's only one donut here. Therefore, it's got to be mine. Boom. We eat it. Bullmaster says, even the wisest people make good choices, don't, won't make good choices when they're not rested and their glucose is low. The best decision makers are the ones who know when not to trust themselves. Hmm. I suppose to put it theologically, it is simply to say that we human beings have a poor track record of making good decisions. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. Oh. And what did our first parents do? They ate the proverbial apple. Friends, we just have this bad track record of making good choices. We have Moses' words to a new generation of Hebrews who are about to cross the river into the promised land and become Israel. And experience has proved over the last generation that people could not be relied upon to make good choices in the wilderness. They, they boiled down all their gold and they made calves to worship. They rebelled against Moses and Aaron. They wanted to kill him because things didn't go very easy. And Moses' words to this new generation about to cross over are words of like a grandfather to a grandchild. He's saying, listen, beloved, learn from our mistakes, my generation's mistakes. Because if you don't, you'll live them again. Learn from your devotion to God, your obedience to God, and even though the journey may get hard, and it will, at times it'll be even very painful, don't forget what is deep down already in your soul that you already know. If you do this, Moses says, my beloved children, this next generation, the future of hope into the promised land, you will inherit the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Choose life. Choose well. And that's what Moses does. He looks across Jordan's waters. He says, folks, life or death is over there. Good and evil is over there. Blessings and curses are over there. You choose. What are you going to go embrace? Choose life, beloved. So it will go well with you. But then what else does he say? It will go well with you and, remember, your children's children. See, the decision the community makes today does not only impact them today, it affects the next generation that comes after them. Choose well. Choose life. The Reverend Dr. Stephanie Buchanan Crowder, author and editor of Biblical Studies, believes today's text is a new way to define what it means to be pro-choice. 
Today is a new, a new way to, cho- uh, to determine what it means to choose life. Whereas we often think pro-choice is dealing with women and their choice to uh, be able to give birth or not, she redefines pro-choice choosing life in this way. And, and I love um, Chandler. She came up to me Thursday and said, hey, I saw your sermon title, Choose Life. Is this going to be about abortion? That's exactly what I did. I dropped, what? And, and the reality is, no. It's just quoting scripture, choose life. As Crowder says, being pro-choice in this revisionist way means that you and I are for, are pro-choosing what benefits persons beyond just our little circle. It impacts not only you and me now, but it impacts others with tentacles that reach out into the future to our children, to our children's children. To be pro-choice, to be choosing life is to make decisions, she says, past our own horizon of what we can see. To act out for the larger beloved community. See, for a country where our faith is all about me and mine, choose life is about Expanding the boundaries into the future. Crowder gets what Moses is trying to say in our scriptures today. Isn't that what we are supposed to be doing today as well as church? Aren't you and I to make individual choices that enhance the choices of this community as we move forward together on echelon into Broward and beyond? Brothers and and sisters, we are being asked to lay a new foundation. We are to cross a river. We are to expand the territory of God in ways that we've never dreamed of before. But we have to choose life. What, my beloved? What are those choices that we as a congregation have to make as we look ahead? How do we as a church choose life? What is it that we have to say no to in order to say yes to something else? What is it that we have to acknowledge worked in the days in the wilderness, but it will not work as we move in and cross the river? You see, the people of Israel, under Moses, the people of Israel were nomads. They wandered. But something happens when the people crossed the Jordan River and got to the promised land. You know what happened to them? They no longer were nomads. They became settlers. And a settler, someone who puts down roots, looks at life, relates to life a whole lot differently than a nomad does. 
It was the new generation. They had to make choices. Do we still make decisions like we used to as nomads, but now that we're settlers, what do we do? And Moses says, choose life. Crossing the river, we're going to get wet. Crossing the river means we're going to get dirty. Some of us will stub our toes. Some of us will be frustrated. Some of us will say, well, by goodness, that's not the way we did it when we were nomads. But you know what? Who cares? We're not nomads anymore. We're settling the kingdom for, for Christ. Beloved, Crowder reminds us, while we face mundane decisions on a regular basis, there are instances in our life, as a community of faith in our life, where we have to go right, left, up, down, forward, or backward. And she reminds us that whatever direction we take, it will carry us down a road of no return. Choose wisely, she says. Beloved, as a church, we are to do the same. What are the choices before us? What are the opportunities that are across the river? The results of the choices we make bring life or death to the kingdom work of this congregation. May we choose wisely. Let us choose life. Can you agree with me on that? That's not rhetorical. Can you agree with me on that? Well, that's about as lackluster river crossing <laughs> cheer as I've ever heard. I'm, I'm dead serious. Unless we choose wisely, beloved, we have difficult decisions to come. What are we going to do with this beautiful plant that God's given us? What's the best way to utilize all this property that God has bestowed upon us for the kingdom. What does it mean that some of you need to go to that meeting next Sunday afternoon to learn about giving a trust to help this church have income in the future after you're long gone? Folks, it requires us to live as settlers, not as nomads. So are you with me on this? Amen. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of life and love, we come and give you thanks for this day. We would just simply ask, oh God, that you as a, would help us through your Holy Spirit as a congregation to choose life, that we will choose wisely. Lord, that we will move together and do new ministry in Fort Lauderdale and beyond that shares the gospel, that inspires a Christ-focused life, transforming our community and beyond. For, Lord, we trust that you will lead us, that you will lead us to where we are to be and what we are to do. And all of God's people said, amen. amen.